Well, it'll just be you, me, and Nick. Spencer, you always get all the answers. Whenever you hear the music, Colin, take it away. Bing bong. It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Spencer Dupuy, Nick Verzellini, and Colin McLaughlin. Good afternoon and welcome into this Monday, June 6th edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Brought to you in part by Brown Funeral Home and Cremations, Robert Fields and Sons, a family-owned full-service funeral home that has proudly served our area since 1880. Spencer Puinick, Verzellini, Colin McLaughlin, Dylan Bishop, and Avery Newport will chime in from time to time back there in the back studio. Um, Nick. didn't want to be on camera. Nick, how was your weekend? Why'd you ask me specifically? Uh, we're going to go around the table. How was your weekend? It, it was pretty good, I guess. Not too eventful. It, it, it was good. Relaxing. Avery doesn't want to be on camera. Uh, Nick and Spencer gave him both black eyes. Whoa, whoa. Why are you throwing stuff around that's not true? Because it's fun. Slanderous. I had a pretty good weekend. Got in some good Dylan basketball. Bishop back again. Sorry, I didn't get to introduce you. Like, back again. You'll be here the whole week. Yep, be here and all week. you'll be co-hosting with the one and only Avery Newport on Thursday. Yep, just me and Avery on Thursday. <laughs> So, yeah, good weekend for me. Got oh, yeah. in some uh, basketball uh, shooting-wise myself and then got to see some uh, pretty good game last night that we'll get to in the, the next segment. But, yeah, overall pretty good. And, Avery, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you guys. Can How you was your me? weekend? Uh, it was probably less than good, I would say. Uh, you know, yeah, we were some... supposed to hang out and get some brewskis and then your stomach doesn't didn't feel well. Yeah, you know, uh, that's kind of what happens when you drink three cups of coffee in one day. It's, uh, it's well, you really gotta go. cut that Can't back. Relate. Yeah, it's not gonna bode well for you. So, yeah, I've learned my lesson. So, you know, won't happen again, Spencer. All right, well, we'll chime in. We'll have you chime in here during the NBA segment as well. Sweet. Can't wait. All right. Well, do you want me to leave your mic on or turn it off? Uh, I mean, you're the host. I'm asking him because he's back there. He's not in here. Uh, you know what? Go ahead and go ahead and shut it off. I'll I'll come back in for NBA talk. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get going on the show. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, I was hoping we would have Jefferson baseball in studio today talking about a state championship. Unfortunately, they fell uh, to George Washington in the semifinal round on Friday night. It was a very interesting game because we've seen Griffin Horowitz, you know, a lot this season, and it was you know, kind of an uncharacteristic Griffin Horowitz on the mound, gave up a, a few runs early, uh, but you did see him hit the bat really, really well. Yeah, he had the uh, solo home run. It was a great game that went back and forth, but as you said, it seemed like there was a lot of struggles for both him and Roberts, and then uh, even George Washington's pitchers on the uh, mound, a lot of pass balls, some wild pitches that just seemed like it got away from the pitchers at one point i think if i read the lips of george washington's pitcher correctly he was complaining about the baseballs at one point there early i could be completely wrong so i will put that out there but from what i thought i read when he was talking and you could see his mouth moving to his coach he said the balls are slippering so i don't know if that's actually true or not but you you could see a lot of issues for the pitchers there during the game and unfortunately for jefferson they were on the losing end by one run and uh kind of came there in that seventh inning on a error yeah five to four was the final george washington getting the win but jefferson kind of playing comeback a lot of the game and uh you know i 
it was just it was definitely odd. I missed that home run, but I saw them replay it. It was it was a deep home run there for Griffin Horowitz. I think it hit two people's cars. Yeah, didn't break any. So no, that was it good. Bounced off. It kind of reminded me of that first game there at Jefferson against Washington. How it was back and forth a little bit, but for the most part, as you said, Jefferson had to play catch up, and that was something that they weren't really used to all season long. So out of all the games, that's the one that I'd really compare it to, and it was the same score as well. Yeah, and they, In so the they, seventh inning, they allowed a run, and they couldn't come back. They gave up one run in the top of the first inning. They scored two in the bottom of the second inning, one in the bottom of the third inning to have a 3-1 to one lead, then gave up two runs in the fourth inning, one run in the fifth inning. They were able to score one in the t- bottom of the sixth and then gave up the ultimate winning home run or excuse me winning run excuse me in the top of the seventh inning not able to come back in the bottom of that seventh inning uh but as i mentioned griffin horwitz three for three two rbis and a walk uh, unfortunately he just went three four innings on the mound six hits four runs all earned one walk four strikeouts sammy roberts uh comes in in relief three innings five hits one run no earned one walk five strikeouts uh 75 pitches for horwitz 67 for roberts and uh, it just seemed like an, you know, from what we've seen from Horowitz, just not who we've seen because he's been dominant the whole game. Yeah, even as as good as a pitcher like Horowitz is, you have to remember that these are, you know, like 16, 17, 18 year old kids still, you know, or young adults. And so it's bound to have some like uncharacteristic performances sometimes you know, if it's a high pressure situation. Like, I mean, these, you know, like I said, these are young adults or young kids you could call them so high pressure can get to them sometimes it's just bound to happen it's natural you know it is what it is and this is a george washington team that jefferson's probably not very familiar with uh we've seen you know a lot of griffin horwitz's domination come against epac teams teams he knows how to pitch to so that might play a factor and i think also george washington's essentially at home for the state tournament opposed to Jefferson, who's you know traveling down to Charleston for what like a four or five hour drive, yeah, uh, it, it plays a factor. I don't think it's why they lost, but you know, came up a little bit short. I think the single elimination tournament isn't the best format, but it is what it is. It's been that way probably for a long time, and uh, just a great run though for Jefferson overall. I think we got to recognize that that they thirty three and five on the season and got through this EPAC that we know was a very tough uh, conference. Got through it teams like martinsburg musselman uh washington you know some of the better teams in the state so you know great run for them and congrats on that but unfortunately for them they come up a little bit short jefferson in the state tournament falls to fourth in the final metro news power rankings martinsburg at seven and receiving votes was musselman i want to go on a little rant here the whole game when they were referring to these players and they were kind of giving scoops on them it just didn't seem like any of the broadcasters did any research on any of these Jefferson players. They didn't say anything about how Griffin Horowitz is going to Army and get to play baseball there and eventually go into the forces. And it, he d- didn't say anything. Even they, The only thing that I heard they mentioned, I could have missed some stuff, obviously, was Sammy Roberts was a quarterback for Jefferson. Not saying where he's going to go play football at in the state uh, and for college. It it just was alarming that they didn't really seem to do any research on these players. I'll let you rant on that. I'm not going to put myself into that. I mean, can't be surprised that the rest of the uh, state doesn't 
consider the Eastern Panhandle the way that they should sometimes. I know. It just was really annoying. They kept talking about these two players that from George Washington that were going to some shipbuilding school in Norfolk, Virginia. That is true. They and it was on that. and on every single time. And it was just it was like, talk about these players from the Eastern Panhandle. What are they doing? Where are they going post-graduating? You know, what, this is their final high school game. Could be their final weekend of high school sports. What are they doing next? There's quite a few players uh, that have, you know, were doing things post high school graduation baseball wise, and they didn't seem to mention that at all. It's the Eastern Panhandle. I know. It just kind of is a big gripe for me from a broadcasting perspective. If you're going to broadcast the top four teams in the state in each uh, classification, you need to do some research. I agree. Anything, Nick? I didn't tune into the game, so I wouldn't know exactly what they had said. Yeah, but I mean, uh, let's move over now to Legion Baseball as they got their season started over the weekend. They split a doubleheader with Frederick uh, Post 11 and Trip Tobin filling us in on a lot of stuff last night. Let me go back to these texts uh, where he filled us in on everything that happened. I guess two of the pitchers that were playing are twin brothers and they're that were playing for Frederick, and they were both committed to play D1 at uh st joseph's university uh they uh jeff or excuse me berkeley went one and one in the double header uh, let me pull up some specifics here um they lost the first game two to one which is well, it's almost a pitcher's duel there i guess you'd say between uh you got three innings out of stottlemeyer and three innings out of reed or four and two-thirds out of reed uh for berkeley post 14 and then for frederick DeSanto is one of the twin brothers going to St. Joseph's. He went five innings, and then Thomas got the win there for uh, Frederick. But looking like a good team shaping up there for Berkeley post-14, Colin. Yeah, big difference between game one and two. As you said, game one was a uh, pitcher's duel there, two to one. And game two, uh, the bats came out there for the Hornets in a dominating 13-1 to one, uh, fashion, getting 21 uh hits there only walking twice so it wasn't like the uh pitching on the other side was struggling it was just that post 14 was able to uh put the ball in play and hopefully we see more of that this year than uh the opposite there in a 2-1 game yeah and if you know you look at the uh you know the box score for the game two 13 to 1 win uh cam moore went four for five two rbis colin reed three for three uh with two rbis and then three for four was Cayman Gonzalez. Two for four was Jason Myers. Two for four, two for three, Dylan Stevens with two RBIs. Cayman Gonzalez had four RBIs in the ball game, and it just seemed like a purely dominating performance for Berkeley Post 14 in the second game. Sifford going two for four with an RBI. Dylan Stevens goes three innings, gets the victory, no runs. Jackson Ruiz comes in for an inning and allows two hits, one run. And then Trevor Bohr comes in for one inning and uh, – strikes one guy out so it was a pretty big turnaround from game to game uh but a pitcher's duel in one and then just a complete domination by berkeley post 14 in the second one yeah it looks like a pretty good start uh to their season uh even though game one didn't go their way game two did and you know the bats really hit the ball well i mean 21 hits yeah it's a ton we don't see that no. in high school very often no so. you don't see them professionally too often yeah no, no you don't yeah. but uh you know really impressive outing there in game two and i think game one was a solid pitching outing and you know this team we know we talked about it they have pretty much an all-star team of the eastern panhandle so it's 
kind of good to see that they can be competitive in, uh, I guess, a regional-type atmosphere against a Frederick team and uh, get that 1-1 series, and we'll see how they do from here on out. But definitely an exciting team and a team that looking forward to see. I believe we have them for the first time on Wednesday of next week. Yes, Wednesday of next week, the 15th, they're at home against uh, at P.O. Faulkner Park against Leesburg. Uh, Rangers out of the post, I believe, 34 in Leesburg. Uh, Wednesday, they're at Potomac Valley Post 64. That is a 6 p.m. contest. And then now let's move over to the other summer league team in the Martinsburg area, the Martinsburg Blue Sox. They split a doubleheader with the Cumberland Orioles over the weekend, picking up a 76 win in eight innings in game one and dropped an 11-7 decision in the nightcap. Game one, Alex Jenkins went two for four with a double and a triple, while Steven Summer came through in the clutch for his team, going one for four with three RBIs, including knocking in the game-winning run. Bradley Weaver added a two for four effort with two RBIs and Chase Anderson a pair of hits. Nick Reeves picked the win after working three and two-thirds innings on the mound, recording five strikeouts. Game two saw Weaver continue a strong work at the plate. Two hits, both doubles, three RBIs. Summer, two. Uh, put some key work going three for four and a pair of RBIs. DJ Triggs went three and two-thirds innings on the mound, striking out five. Blue Sox manager Scott Jenkins said a pair of misplayed foul fly balls led to six runs for the Orioles of Cumberland, keeping helping their cause in the second game. They returned to action Saturday, hitting the road to play the Hagerstown Braves. The Blue Sox next play at home, which is Musselman High School, on June 18th when they host a doubleheader against the Frederick Rebels starting at 5 p.m. So... Colin wanted to cover the Blue Sox. So. Might as well. I mean, we know DJ Triggs, who yeah. seems like went pretty strong there in three and two-thirds, but as you said, it was errors that uh, got him the loss. Anything else? No. All right, well, that'll do it uh, for this segment of the Sports Mix, brought to you in part by Parsons Ford. Kent Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. We became number one by making you number one first. Go to ParsonsFord.com for more on the other side of this break. We'll talk... NBA Finals. Golden State tied the series last night in a dominating fashion. That's next. After this two-minute break, you tune in the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Like a stone And I feel With four new car dealerships and four used car dealerships in three states, Parsons is the largest used car and fastest growing new car dealer in the tri-state area. Take Parsons Ford with huge savings on hundreds of new Fords, financing from 0%, Parsons' goal of financing for all, and Parsons' famous above-market trade-in allowances that help make Parsons number one for used cars, too. See why so many won't buy anywhere but Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. We became number one by making you number one first. Parsons. Are you at risk for a heart attack or stroke? WV Medicine would like to remind you it's important to recognize the signs and symptoms so you can seek medical attention fast. The acronym FAST stands for F, face drooping, A, arm weakness, S, speech difficulty, and T, time to call 911. If you are having a stroke, get medical attention right away. Immediate treatment may decrease the risk of disability and prevent death. This important message is brought to you by WVU Medicine. Ever try to collect on an insurance claim? Perhaps a homeowner's claim, auto accident, or fire? Insurance companies collect money from you for protection should something bad happen. And when it does, they don't want to pay or they offer too little. At Mansion Ferretti, we have an attorney who worked defending insurance companies and knows all the dirty tricks they play to deny or lowball your claim. 
Call us today for help in getting what you really deserve. Mansion Ferretti, when you need justice. Safety doesn't come from owning a gun. It comes from knowing how to safely use it. Valley Guns 2 off I-81 Exit 5 Inwood helps you build your safety skills with a variety of courses taught by NRA certified instructors. Sign up now for the Saturday, June 11, Basic Fundamentals of Shooting a Handgun course. This class qualifies the student for a West Virginia concealed carry permit. No prerequisite courses are required to take this class. To register today and find out more, visit valleyguns2.com. That's valleyguns2.com. You're tuned into the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740 and TV 10. Welcome back to this Monday, June 6th edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Spencer DeBuy, Nick Verzellini, Colin McLaughlin, Dylan Bishop, and Avery Newport. Happy to have you with us. So we'll get into the NBA Finals game two last night. They had a weird timing. I didn't, I didn't, I don't know why they're maybe they're just extending it out a couple days to give them more rest. But the game one was on Thursday night, right? Yep. And then game two was on Sunday night. They're not going to play until Wednesday, so they get. But they're traveling for that. I don't get. I just didn't get the extra day off. Thought game two would have been Saturday night. I suspect that it might have done uh, to TV. do with ratings because typically Sunday night does better ratings than Saturday night because you know more people are out on a Saturday when they don't have to work yeah. on Sunday. So I suspect that's why they did it. That makes sense to me. All right. Well, the Warriors got winning in one in dominating fashion, one hundred seven to eighty eight, scoring thirty one in the first and thirty five in the third, uh, as they gave up thirty twenty fourteen and twenty four. Colin, what happened to the Celtics? They just fell apart, and they didn't show up there in the uh, second half, only getting 38 points there in a half. Number two, a disastrous uh, third quarter on the Celtics' side, and the Golden State Warriors did what they always do in the third quarter, and that's light up the scoreboard, and Boston couldn't do a uh, crazy comeback in the fourth like they did in game one and the role players didn't show up. You had uh, Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown do fine scoring-wise. Tatum with 28 points, Brown with 17, so that's all right. And then White with 12, which is pretty good, too, for him, even though he had 21 last game. But other than that, there were no other double-digit scorers, and starting-wise, you got Smart, Williams, and Horford, all with two points each, and you cannot have that and expect to win as well as turnovers. Frankly, I thought this was just a really, really good defensive performance by the Warriors. It was. Like, I mean... Like, there was some really good shot-making by uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, in the first quarter in particular, was going off, and then he got that second foul on that suspect uh, call against Gary Payton the second, which... By the way, the officiating in this game, in general, was... The officiating showed, and that's what the problem was. You didn't see that in Game 1. Yeah, obviously, it's not the reason that they lost the game. Like, they were down by 30 at one point, ended up losing by 19. But the first quarter, in particular, was some of the worst officiating I've ever seen on a uh, any level of basketball, really. Uh, but I think, in general, when it comes to the Celtics... Uh, they're they're not going to win games in this series if they're getting as few 
shots, especially from deep, as they are from their role players. In the first game, Al Horford, Marcus Martin, Derek White were 15 of 27 from three-point range. And in this game, they were uh, two of seven. Al Horford did not attempt a three-pointer in this game last night. Uh, Derek White was two of four. Marcus Smart was 0 of three. Uh, Some of that's probably the Warriors taking away those easy looks, but you have to find those looks. You have to make an adjustment so you can get open uh, open and get those shots. Avery, any take from back there? Yeah, I I don't think it was a good game for either team shooting-wise in general. I mean, I'm just looking through the box score right now. Clay Thompson was 4 of 19 from the floor, 1 of 8 from 3. I mean, it was pretty much Steph just carrying the load again, just like in Game 1. You know, Jordan Poole got that highlight play. He hit the half-court three to end the third, but he really didn't have that great a game either. So, I don't know. I mean, if the Celtics had just gotten more production from a couple of their bench guys, from Horford, from uh, from Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, from any of those guys, then they just might have been able to make it a little more competitive because, you know, the, this game was close in the first half, like, it was only, what, a two-point Golden State lead at halftime? Like, that yep. third quarter yep. was really what, what did them in. they just gotten a little more production from role players instead of just relying so heavily on Tatum and Brown, who didn't shoot well, by the way, either. Jalen Brown was just 5 of 17 from the floor, too. So better shooting performances from your all-star scores, a little more production from your role players and your bench, and you can take advantage of a less-than-average Golden State shooting night. Well, I think the the big key was Draymond Green last night. I think his energy and overall the Warriors just seemed to have a little bit more energy, I think, than the Celtics did. You know, he did his job. I know there's flack for maybe what the officials chose to call and what they didn't, but Draymond Green's job is just to get in the other team's head and just to make them angry. And And he did that early in the game, and it seemed to carry over as the game went on. I think his intensity was a big part of the win but also just you know we've all mentioned it boston really got no production from its starting lineup other than tatum and brown i mean when you get six points from three starters that's not really going to help especially against a team like golden state but a lot of that has to do with green his defense was great i think uh you know curry did his thing and and really there wasn't much else scoring from the warriors they didn't have a great night either but you got more looks and and overall a better night than what you saw from Boston, obviously, in the dominating win. So, you know, good win for Golden State, and that makes this series now. I mean, this is back-to-back games where I would be a little bit concerned if, you know, Boston, both third quarters, you come out flat for whatever reason and kind of build a hole for yourself. Last night was, you know, 23-point hole, I believe it was, heading into the fourth quarter, so pretty much not coming back from that the other night it was 14 so it was definitely able to still come back but that's back-to-back games where that might be a concern but if we're going back to boston that does probably help the celtics a little bit but really this could be a 2-0 series for golden state if they didn't have that collapse in fourth and that's why i'm optimistic still as a boston fan because as you said the series is tied one-to-one still even though last night was a disaster and i basically stopped watching after the third quarter because of how bad it was you still took a game there in Golden State, so you have the home court advantage now. So hopefully Boston can get the job done there and it doesn't go to seven and maybe you can just get the three wins at home and it ends in six. I've got, got to a focus statistic. on that. 
I've got a statistic here for you just to show how good the Warriors' defense was last night. That, you know, Draymond Green, the way he talked after game one, they were talking a lot about how the those three role players we mentioned for the Celtics got hit all of those three-pointers, and you wouldn't really expect them to hit as many. This wasn't really a case of shot luck, like shot-making luck. Uh, the Celtics expected effective field goal percentage, which is based on shot location and how uh, far away a defender is from the shooter, was only 49% last night in game two according to second spectrum it was the celtics worst single game mark for the entire postseason and the worst in any game since january wow and january was when they were under 500 yeah before we went to see them against the wizards at capital one arena yep. and then tatum went off uh game That's three changed game three set for wednesday night 9 p.m abc from td garden in boston uh boston getting that uh big home court advantage favoritism from caesar sportsbook three and a half is the opening line right now i'm assuming presuming that will change before wednesday a little bit as things uh get closer to game to the game three i think oh go ahead colin i'm just gonna say quickly it's obviously easier said than done but boston needs to figure out how to stop curry and they'll be fine yeah, I think both of these teams have uh, negatives that the other team can take advantage of. Neither of these teams looks like a world beater so far. Uh, Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole have been inconsistent. I don't think that the Warriors can win this season if they can't, or win this series if they can't get consistent production out of both of those guys. And the Celtics just have to get those open looks for those role players outside of Jalen and Tatum. I think the Warriors, or the Celtics, excuse me, I think they just have to do a bit better job in the second half because we saw. In game one, they were outscored in the third by Golden State, 38-24. Did not have a good third quarter, and then the Celtics, of course, were able to go on that run to end game one. But then they had similar third quarter problems in last night's game, being outscored 35-14. I think they just kind of fell victim to those patented warrior runs where yeah. Golden State gets into a rhythm, they get a couple threes, they get, you know... They get some good looks, whatever, and it's just it's over at that point. They just they're in a rhythm and they can't be stopped. And I think Boston was just, you know, the latest victim of what the Warriors have been doing pretty consistently for the last eight years almost. So that was a very typical Warriors stretch in my mind. And Boston's gotta find out how to slow that slow that kind of momentum down in, in game three. Well, we talked about, you know, if the Celtics can get more from their role players, they can be in the game but you could make kind of the same argument for golden state i mean if clay thompson's able to get going and you get more production out of him and wiggins consistency and just overall those guys really didn't play good either it was just curry who played well but they're i think more capable in some ways or at least clay thompson's more capable of being reliable in the nba finals than al horford and marcus yeah. smart so i mean it's it's looking like Golden State has the advantage to me, but it's only game three, and and the Celtics do have home court throughout the series if they are able to uh, take advantage of that. So the remainder of the series, I should say, unless it goes seven games. So uh, you know we'll see how it works out, but I feel like it's more likely for the Warriors to get better production from their guys than the Celtics are to shut down Curry and get production from smart Horford consistency yeah that's a lot to do it is yeah Clay was only four of 19 last night so he really has been struggling points during the series he's looked a little older he's he's showing some of the tear of uh, wear and tear of coming off of those injuries but obviously he's such a great shooter he can he can pick that production back up yeah I mean he just needs to 
you know find his spot and, and you know knock down shots he doesn't need to necessarily be a real threat with the ball in his hands in terms of creating a shot for himself but just you know if he's open and able to spot up and knock down shots i mean he could get going easily it's, it has kind of like shot selection with him sometimes. Right. He's not taking like I, I remember one mid range shot that he took last night. It was like uh, he's been coming down a lot in of transition and yeah, just like tough, difficult shots instead of doing what Clay Thompson does does best. And that's be a spot up shooter. Yeah, definitely. And uh, before we wind down the NBA segment, uh, could be getting a new head coach for the Charlotte Hornets soon. Uh, Hornets owner. Michael Jordan to meet with head coaching finalist Mike D'Antoni and Kenny Adkinson. Uh, Golden State assistant Kenny Adkinson set to meet with Jordan on Tuesday. D'Antoni visit is expected later in the week, sources have told ESPN. Uh, who do we want between those two to lead the uh, lead the Hornets? I generally think of Mike D'Antoni as a better coach, but I think Kenny Atkinson is a very good option. I don't think he got enough credit the compared to what he should have gotten for taking those Nets teams with D'Angelo Russell, Karis Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie, as far as they did into the playoffs. That was a team just, you know, obviously we see what those guys are doing on other teams, but those guys were carrying the load a little more in Brooklyn and they got rid of him when they brought in Kyrie and KD because KD wanted Steve Nash as the head coach. But I don't think that was a testament to, I don't think Kenny Atkinson got his due uh, he should have been hired as a head coach somewhere else. So I think he deserves it. But Mike D'Antoni uh, is the same way. He should be a head coach somewhere as well. Well, well I, I think, mean, if there... Oh, go ahead, Avery. Okay. Well, I, I mean, if there's anywhere to go and be an assistant for a couple of years, you can just kind of, you know, learn and get used to being a coach again. It's Golden State, I think, because Mike Brown just got a coaching job with Sacramento, and he's been on Golden State's bench as an assistant for the last five or six years, however long it's been. And I think, you know, people, when they talked about that hire, said that there was a, a noticeable difference from when he was the coach in Cleveland to what he's like now. And, and learning under Steve Kerr and learning under that system for such a long time made an impact on him and his coaching style. And, you know, I, I think maybe having some experience under Steve Kerr and getting some time to, to learn the Warriors' offense and to learn why they're so dominant might help At Atkinson be a better candidate for the Hornets going forward. Well, I think one thing, though, that Mike D'Antoni has done well throughout his career is coach point guards yeah. and have success with a point guard-led offense, going back to Nash with the Suns, uh, James Harden, and uh, Houston. So LaMelo Ball is the perfect type of player for his offense, and I think that would potentially work really well uh, in Charlotte of a young team, a young core there, and he can maybe get the best out of those players. But also it, it does kind of seem like to an extent that maybe the game has passed him by a little bit because he really hasn't gotten those teams to championships. Uh, he's just gotten them to be, you know, high seeds and, and have success in the playoffs. Um, you know, so maybe either one I think could be a good hire for them it just depends if maybe you want the younger coach or if you want to go with D'Antoni who has that experience of having success with coaching similarly built teams I think to what Charlotte currently has on its roster and what one last point for me on this is uh, I think Mike D'Antoni some of the, what his last coaching experience was coaching James Harden and there was a very particular way to coach a James Harden led team with the 
you know, spreading everyone out. James Harden plays a very particular way. Not just coaching point guards from D'Antoni, but he likes to push the pace, too. So him, uh, LaMelo Ball is great in transition. So is Miles Bridges as well. So that can be a really good combination. I think either coach would be a really good hire for the Hornets. I would agree as well. I'm going to give the edge to Mike D'Antoni, though, just because his experience in the in the league and and just being that legendary kind of coaching on the you know being one of those guys uh before we hit the break though one final topic of nba news la lakers jersey worn by kobe bryant in rookie season sells at auction for 2.73 million dollars he wore it in his rookie season including two playoff games uh scp auction said sunday the buyer wished to remain anonymous as did the seller who had the jersey for 25 years david kohler of scp auctions had estimated the jersey the jersey from 1996 to 1997 would fetch around between three and five million and only got 2.73 another of bryant's rookie jerseys went for 3.69 million dollars last year the autographed yellow game worn fetched the highest ever for a basketball jersey um, what do we think about uh, those jerseys just hitting the auction now? That somebody's had it for twenty five years and just wants to do it a year, you know, two years after his death. I'd want it in a museum. That's what I'm saying. Like Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from his perspective, uh, that kind of stuff does go up in value after a person passes away. You see that a lot of times, and Kobe Bryant especially is one of the most beloved players by a lot of people he's the kind of player that you either hated or you love or you just loved he was your favorite player we see even that with, if like, you hated him you still respected him though. right you see that with jason tatum people that love kobe love kobe so you can yeah. i'm not surprised that he went out and did something like this yeah all right well that will do well, it hang on are we going to talk about quinn snyder resigning from the jazz at all i mean i think that's a little that's a that's a story isn't well, it? well i wasn't on the topic you had to save that for tomorrow i mean come on it'll be old news by then Come on, Colin. I don't know. Donovan Mitchell is not happy That's about. That's on you. You made the topics. Who today. cares about the Jazz? Well, I mean, why Donovan Mitchell. About the Hornets. Then Donovan Mitchell might be on the move. I didn't he might put that down either, sir. I added that because this was kind of news within the last hour. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell was unnerved, according to ESPN, by the decision from Snyder to step down. I mean, that that could signal a huge shakeup there in, in Salt Lake City. We'll have to stay tuned to find out, I guess. Get into that later in the one week, thing perhaps. similar to the Kobe jersey, a Wayne Gretzky jersey just sold. For I did see that too. Four million, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which would be interesting. Why now? Why not wait years? Interesting. One point four million. Would you wait years if you could have it right now? I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> That'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix, brought to you in part by Orsini's Home Store, not just an appliance store any longer. Cabinets and designer bedding, outdoor living, and his family owned and operated right here in Martinsburg at three sixty Hack Wilson Way. Go to Orsini's.com for more. On the other side of this break, uh, we'll talk Nationals and Orioles. Nationals had a good weekend, uh, and potentially reinforcement coming this week. Now we'll talk about that next after this two-minute break. You're tuning in the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Hi, this is Lauren from Orsini's right here in Martinsburg. Grilling is not just for the boys. We are a platinum Traeger dealer carrying the Pro Series all the way up to the Timberline Series. We have every flavor of wood pellets along with accessories, rubs, sauces, not just Traeger, we carry Utz, Meat Church, Lanes, and Dizzy Pig. We also carry a full line of Yeti products. Orsini's has everything to complete your backyard. Visit us at 360 Hack Wilson Way 
or at orcities.com. Do you need a place to go for a quick tobacco, soda, snacks, cigarettes, or beer run? Well, then you're in luck because Enter and Exit has convenience without the cost. Enter and Exit right off Route 11 is located at 31 Meadow Lane in Martinsburg and soon to be opening in Chambersburg, PA. Enter and Exit is open Monday through Saturday from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. and Sundays from 9.30 a.m. to 8 p.m. For great convenience without the cost, stop on into Enter and Exit today. Are you considering selling your home and don't know where to start? Then call Chris Ross and the Milestone Real Estate Group at Keller Williams. A Martinsburg High School graduate, Chris knows the local market and he's proven it as number one real estate team in West Virginia in 2019. Phone Milestone Real Estate Group at Keller Williams at 304-579-7349 or go to callchrisross.com. Let's celebrate your real estate milestone together. What do you get when the longest, hardest, widest runway in the state of West Virginia is asked to host the 250th birthday of Berkeley County? A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to witness an afternoon of fun, music, and finish with the largest fireworks show worthy of a 250-year-old. Visit Eastern West Virginia Regional Airport on Sunday, July 3rd with gates opening at 2.50 p.m., of course. We'll have food trucks, libation, and something for all ages as we celebrate Berkeley 250. Go to berkeleywv250.com and click on events to get the full lineup of fun. Now, back to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Diaz looks at him and delivers the 1-1. Soto hits it deep. He hits it high, and he hits it out of here. Second gigantic blast for Juan Soto today, and he takes a leisurely stroll around the bases. The three-run shot by Juan Soto brings the Nats back in it at Cincinnati seven and Washington six. Cincinnati six, Washington or Cincinnati six, Washington five, right there. Nationals won a four-game series, three to one over the weekend over the Reds. They fell in the first game of the series, eight to one. Then on Friday, they got a big victory. Um, let me double-check the score for you before I tell you the score, and it's wrong. I'm confusing. Three game series or four game series like always screw me up score wise because I always forget second which one thing. I think was two one. No, the second one was eight to five. Then they got the win on Saturday ten to I was eight. Way off. And five to four yesterday. So sure the two were no yeah yeah. Uh, but the Nationals, <laughs> although they got swept by the Mets last week, you go back to their two weeks. You look since that last Dodgers game where they won one nothing. They're looking like a better team. And I don't have any standards for them to go. I was telling you earlier today. So I don't have any standards for them to go to the playoffs. Maybe you can make a wild card with the addition of that third wild card. Maybe if you push some things out, have a few good months at the, towards the end of the season, you could make a push for that. But obviously, that's not that's not the what we're expecting as Nats fans. Not the trajectory. You, not you the trajectory say. I'm expecting. But things are looking better than they were to start the card. season. What? They're going to sell half their team at the deadline. No, they're not. They did it last year. Why wouldn't they do it this year? They're worse this year. Yeah, but they know this year this is they're trying to do this. I mean, they don't have a very good farm system, so I think they're going to. Maybe. Who knows? It's a rebuild. You make a little run. You, you got anything in yourself? there, Avery? Well, just... Just because the GM said that he wasn't going to trade Soto doesn't They don't have mean, to trade Soto. They can trade yeah. their other guys that are older. They got Bell, Cruz, Strasburg. I mean, yeah, anybody expected to be traded, and I 
pretty sure I said this back when uh, Nelson Cruz signed to the Nationals. Hasn't he been bad, though? So he might not even have value at this point. He's not been bad. He's not been great. I thought he's been I mean, like he's, a buck 50. Isn't he like 40? Yeah, yeah Nelson exactly. Cruz is, yeah, he's not much of a trade piece at this point, I don't think. But he's in his 40s. Yeah, plus he's on a, a short-term deal, isn't he? It was just a one-year deal, I think. Yeah. He's hitting 251. At one point, when we went and saw him, he was hitting like 180. Well, so he's, I guess he's heating up. He's heating if up. If he heats up, you can get like a low-end prospect. I mean, if he can get to 275, that could be... You could, the average doesn't matter with him. He just needs to hit dingers. Yeah, yep. that is true. Uh, but the Nationals of the last two weeks are looking better than they had prior to that. And as a Nationals fan, knowing this season wasn't going to be great, just progress. Seeing progress, seeing curly Ws but in the book. But the thing book. is, Spencer... Most of the guys on that team aren't going to be a part of the team for the long term because they're older players. So progress really doesn't mean much unless you're seeing it from the guys that really matter, which are Soto, and he's already good. Keebert Ruiz, which is a bright spot of your team right now. I mean, he's throwing guys out left yeah, he's and He's doing right. a great job. And maybe some of the young pitching, so Josiah Gray and, and some of the bullpen. But, like, Josh Bell, I don't think he's going to be there very long. And even if he is, I don't see the Nationals winning during his tenure of his prime. So... I mean, it's good, I guess, that they're winning, but not really. You'd rather tank and lose and maybe get a number one pick. I mean, I guess, but, like, you just got to, as, as a fan, you like to be able to cheer for something during the season. That, that's fair, I guess. That is fair. And they could be getting a reinforcement this week uh, with Steven Strasburg. He had a great an amazing outing on Friday night for AAA Rochester as the team was out um, was on a road trip. He did not go to their local affiliate there in Fredericksburg. He ended up going up to Rochester, New York to pitch for Rochester and he had a no-hitter going at one point, but his final line, six innings pitch, one hit, no runs, one walk, four strikeouts on 83 pitches, 50 of them for strikes. He's throwing a bullpen today uh, to see where he is and, and if they think he's good enough. If he thinks he's ready, if he thinks he's ready to go, he doesn't need another rehab start. I think he could start on Wednesday down in Miami, and I think it's better than having a Don in the in, in the That's rotation. Definitely. I mean, yeah. just having Strasburg Bank, I think, is a little bit more exciting for everyone. And I think baseball. it'll there'll be more people at the games. Maybe at least a few thousand more. <laughs> but yeah. we're not in the athletics territory. I mean, yeah. No. Well, that's because they're protesting. Also, just no one goes to games in Oakland anyway. That's also true, too. Yeah, true, also the Nationals don't play in a 60-year-old stadium that uh, needed to be replaced 30 years ago. So. I believe they were playing the, one of the, they believe, rated number 30, 29 out of 30. In trot behind them? What? Is the trot behind them? I don't, I, the athletic stadium's on it. It's right behind them, I guess. I don't know. I read something earlier in the last two weeks that said they, rate, they, they rated Nats Park 29th? Yeah. Oh, really? they've rated oh. Nationals for a time? That's, that's in worst? That's surprising. I, I believe so. Who ranked that? I don't know. How would you put the Coliseum or Tropicana Field better than that? Yeah, I don't understand how you see Tropicana Field is uh, down there in the bottom two. Maybe I was wrong. They were ranked 24th, excuse me. That's still pretty uh, low. That's, that's still low. sad. Yeah, that's a pretty new stadium to be ranked that low. Yeah. Seventh worst. Uh... What are the reasons that they cite for? I don't know. I don't have that. All right, matter. well, we can talk about that later. We'll Maybe they need later. to build, move their wall back more, raise it up. Left field, bit. yeah, yeah, raise uh, it. Maybe. Maybe that adds to the stadium quality. 
Who knows? What about the Orioles? Give me an Orioles update. They lost another series to a team that they should have won the series against. Well, all in one run game game behind. Pitched all right yesterday. One run games though. I think that's kind of a bright spot because he looked really good like two years ago when he first came up, or at least he looked serviceable, and then he looked really bad last year. So if he can maybe get something going, I mean, I don't think he's like the future of the franchise or anything on the mound, but he. He could maybe be a four for fifth starter at some point, so that's a bright spot. But all right, I've got a highly debated hot take. Highly debated. Highly disputed. Highly disputed. <laughs> uh, Adley Rutschman needs to go back down to AAA. No, he doesn't. Yes, he no. does. He's hitting like one thirty in twelve games. But there's nothing for fine. him at at AAA. He's, He's already get dominated. better. Got to improve. The best way to get better is going against the best talent. I mean, I guess the, the Orioles aren't playing for anything anyway. So. Yeah, they might as well exactly. get, let him get his licks in against the best pitchers so we can try to figure it out. Just throw him into the fire. I thought like, you were agreeing with me like an hour ago. I mean, you know, you can go either way. You know, he's played in AAA for a while. Uh, I think just overall, it's not like they have another really good catcher that he's taking the spot of or DH. And it's not like they're playing for a wild card spot really this year. So... Let him play against the best competition. I mean, they could be if they wanted to. Five games back right now, the wild card. I mean, you make a little run. Are they real? Orioles buyers yeah. at the at the trade deadline? Well, yeah, but the third the wild card not spots great. the Red Sox. The and AL at is not great. Interesting. You got the you got the Royals at seventeen wins. All well, the they're year. not making the wild card, so it doesn't matter. All right, they'll be about fifteen games back. In well, the AL is super top heavy because you have the Yankees and the Astros who are just kind of running away with it right now, and then That's you just it. got a bunch of other teams that are just kind of meh, average. All right, well, that will do it for this segment of the Sports Mix, brought to you in part by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online. They'll deliver it to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Go to HagerstownFord.com for more. On the other side of this break, we'll wrap things up. We'll talk a little commanders. They released themes for all their games and some interesting things on that list. Uh, We'll do that when we come back and wrap things up on this edition of the Sports Mix. I made it down the coast in 17 hours, picking me a bouquet of dogwood flowers and I'm hoping for Hagerstown Ford continues to be your leader in car sales up and down the I-81 corridor. We will beat any and all competitors' prices. We've made buying a new car easier than ever with one-day delivery better than Amazon and a return policy better than Walmart. Your satisfaction is our guarantee. If you don't like it, simply return it and we'll come pick it up. No questions asked. Why would you shop anywhere else? At Hagerstown Ford, we take great pride in our community and supporting our local student-athletes. That's why Hagerstown Ford is the official car dealership of Shepard Rams quarterback Tyson Bajant. Our remote buying process has made new car shopping so easy, you'll never even set foot in a dealership. Simply go to HagerstownFord.com and click on the car you want to buy it, or use the Axel Auto app. It's that easy. You can order your new car on any device. Go to HagerstownFord.com and get your new car signed, sealed, and delivered from Hagerstown Ford. Let's go! Drink some beers! Mountaineer Grill and Pub! Mountaineer Grill and Pub offers many daily specials, including Trivia Night Monday, Karaoke Tuesday, Steak Night Wednesday and Sunday, Thursday Night Boneless Wing Night, and on Friday and Saturday nights, there'll be a DJ and or karaoke. And remember, Monday through Friday, happy hour, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m., $2 domestic bottles and $2.50 domestic drafts. Let's go! Drink some beers! Mountaineer Grill and Pub! 
Not sure where to go or who to trust with your flooring project? And start with Trips Flooring, proudly serving the area for more than 25 years, specializing in floor sanding and refinishing, along with installation of new flooring, including hardwood, tile, vinyl, laminate, carpet, and the hottest trend in flooring luxury vinyl, tile, and luxury vinyl plank. Are you on a budget? Check out their warehouse, cash and carry, or call 304-229-7009, or visit them online at tripsfloorsanding.com. You're tuned into the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740 and TV 10. Welcome back to this final segment of the Sports Mix for your June 6, 2022, brought to you in part by the Marius Group and Ameriprise Financial advisors john everson and phil mccoy you can call them Prize financial services at 304-263-4343 or stop by their offices at 1270 winchester avenue right here in martinsburg spencer nick colin avery's back there dylan's right here uh as we get going on this final segment about three or so minutes left in today's show we'll talk uh little uh commander's news they uh release game themes and colin has on the thing for their quote inaugural season yeah that's what it said on the uh post there that was sent out by the washington commander's public relations when's the expansion draft it's the inaugural <laughs> yeah. season. Yeah. That's what it says. Washington Commanders announced game themes for I'm not making fun season. of what you said. I'm making fun of them more mm-hmm. so. Ah. Happy first birthday. I don't know. On the on the Twitter post, and it just says our 2022 game themes. Uh, apparently, August 13th, the preseason, their only preseason game at home, facing the Panthers, they are going to unveil their fight song. So... I wow. guess the old one's out of date, huh? Yeah, the old one's out of date, so they're bringing back a new one. And Jason and Wright says, back. quote, I think Commanders fits well with the old fight song. There's stuff there that really connects well. Yeah, that's all it is. That's why that's they kept Hail to the Commanders. one of the reasons no, we really gravitated towards it. Hail Wait. to the Commanders? It's it's an extra syllable. It doesn't even work. Well, they could I go agree. with Hail to it's the Commies, but I don't nonsense. think that would go over well. It would. No, that would not go over well at all. Um, if you look it's on DC, here, of course it would. I, I think they only released this because of last year and the whole debacle with the Sean Taylor day and everything. So I think they're trying to do better, but I don't know. Uh, commanders kickoff. What does that mean? That just that's like, the first game as yeah. the Commanders. So and then they're kicking off. We are all Commanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? So they don't really go into detail. I don't think about any of this stuff. They do because the theme for We Are All Commanders with special celebrations honoring Hispanic Heritage Month. Okay. HBCU Night Out we, and Pride Night this? Out. So it's the. Uh, is it on the on website? the app Washington oh. Commanders app? Didn't know. I don't have the app, so I can't tell you there. <laughs> Collins and you call app. yourself a fan. Yeah. You don't have the Commanders app? All right. Well, 90th oh, anniversary celebration and alumni homecoming versus the Green Bay Packers. So they want as many fans and alumni there for that game. Uh, fan Appreciation Week. Colin, what did you say was the date? I'm looking out for the uh, blackout in- game against the Vikings, whiteout yeah. game against Dallas, and then week 17 against the Browns. Apparently, there's going to be a mascot that comes out Did at the end of the really season. they really have a mascot? Wow. They had Chief Z. Yeah, but that was but he was an a unofficial, fan. Yeah, official. He was an unofficial just, mascot, really so this will fun. be an official mascot. And why is it during week 17? I don't know. It seems late to me. It is. 
But, hey. but salute to service game. Also the blackout game versus the Vikings. And then rivalry week versus the Cowboys. Final week of the season. Uh, should be interesting. Obviously, we'll have their games as normal on the station. Radio wise. Like seven wins. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Sports Mix. For Avery Newport, Dylan Bishop, Colin McLaughlin, Nick Verzellini. I'm Spencer. Please saying so long. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.